So the following notice was spotted in the lost and found uh, section of the paper. It said, lost dog, $100 reward. So, you know, you figure if, if you're going to give $100 for a dog, why to get him back? He's got to be worth something, right? So this is what it said. Black and tan dog, a poodle and German shepherd extraction, flea bitten, left hind leg missing, no hair on the rump, blind, recently neutered, and answers to the name of Lucky. <laughs> doesn't quite seem like the name goes with the dog, does it? No, no, it just doesn't quite seem like it. So what's your name? What's your nickname? Is it a good one? I mean, you know, sometimes we get assigned nicknames and sometimes kids can be cruel or... Or sometimes, you know, sometimes nicknames can, can really stand for who we tend to be in life. But I want to talk to you today about a guy by the name of Joseph. Now, there are a number of Josephs in the Bible, so we'll narrow it down just a little bit. He was in the New Testament, and to go even further in, he was mostly spoken of in the book of Acts. And if you would have met him, it's very possible you wouldn't even have known what his name was. Because most of the people that knew him didn't call him Joseph. They referred to him as Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Now, we know that Luke is the one that penned the book of Acts for us. And Luke had several things to say about, about uh, who Barnabas was. Acts chapter 4, verses 36 and 37, let's take a look at that. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If not, look on the screen if you would, please. So Luke writes, for instance, there was Joseph, the one that the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi. He came from the island of Cyprus, and he sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. I want you to notice with me first this morning that Barnabas was a generous man. Barnabas was a generous man. Now, the church in Jerusalem was growing quite a bit at this particular time. In fact, Pastor Kevin shared with us last Sunday about the day of Pentecost, and we're told that on the day of Pentecost alone, 3,000 people were added to the church. 3,000 people. If you look around you this morning, the ministry center here, if, it's, if, if we can figure it right, we can seat 1,000 people in here. So we're talking about a building that would seat three times that amount of people joined the church, came to faith in Christ on that one day alone. Now, I want you to know that a church that's truly aggressively reaching out and trying to make a difference for Jesus Christ, trying to provide the hope and healing that only Jesus Christ can, can provide, will always be in financial need. They're, they're not looking to what's in the bank. They're not looking to, to what they already have in endowments or something. They're, they're aggressively reaching out with the good news of Jesus Christ. The church of Jerusalem was no exception. And so Joseph or Barnabas had this field, and so he decided himself he would sell it, and he would give all of the money to the leaders of the church so that they could use it for the expansion of God's kingdom and assisting with the needs that were there in the church. Now, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't mandated by the government that he do this. It wasn't some kind of a taxation process that he did this. But rather, it was a decision not based on law, but rather based on love. 
His love of Christ and his love of the church. As a result of that, he gave all of that to the apostles so that they could use it. Yes, Barnabas was a generous man. I would have you notice as well this morning that Barnabas was a risk taker. Barnabas was a risk taker. Acts chapter 9 talks about that. Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 26, when, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. And then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He even told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So the risk that Barnabas took was a real one. It really was. The question was, had Saul really changed? Had he? Or was this some kind of a ruse? Was this some kind of a plan? Was, was he planning on, on finding out who the leaders of the church were, were and also discovering who people in the church were? And then was he going to come back another time with a bunch of his henchmen and were they going to knock some heads together and, and, and hurt people and, and, and dismiss the service and, and send some folks to jail? Was that what was going on? No one knew. No one knew. And so Barnabas, Barnabas took a risk. And the risk that he took was immense. It really was. You know, he could have very easily said, you know, I've heard if something seems too good to be true, it isn't. He could have gone with that, but he didn't. I like what Lloyd Ogilvy said about this. He said, he, Barnabas, put his own relationship with the apostles on the line. The Greek word translated, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles actually implies that Saul took him by the hand and led him before the apostles to affirm his belief in him. Yes, Barnabas was really sticking his neck out for Saul. He literally became his PR department, his public relations department. It was all up to Barnabas. But I'll tell you what, when you got a guy like Barney working for you in your corner, you're good. You're good. Thirdly, this morning, I want you to notice that Barnabas was an encourager. Barnabas was an encourager. Acts chapter 11 talks about that, verse 22. When the church of Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy, and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Of course he did. Of course he encouraged them to do that because that's who he was. I like what Warren Wiersbe said about that. He said, it's not necessary to, to invent some kind of hidden reason why Barnabas befriended Saul. That was the nature of the man. He was an encouragement to others. That's who he was. Now, some of you are by nature encouragers. And you probably know who you are. But many of you that are here this morning are not naturally encouragers. You have to actually work at it to encourage others. It's, it's not that you can't, you just don't think about it. You just don't stop and consider the fact that this is an opportunity for me to speak into this person's life. John Maxwell <clears throat> helps us with this whole idea of, of encouragement. He asked the question, how can you tell 
if a person is in need of encouragement? How can you tell? And then he answers his own question. He says, if they're breathing, they need encouragement. If you're alive, you need encouragement. And even if you're sleeping this morning, you need encouragement, each and every one of you. By the way, turn to your neighbor, if you would, please, and just simply tell them, sometimes you need encouragement. Go ahead, tell them. Sometimes you need encouragement. All right, now, now, and, and now turn to them, if you would, please, and say, and sometimes I need encouragement. Go ahead, tell them. Sometimes I need encouragement. Okay, that's enough. <clears throat> yeah, we, we all need encouragement, and, um, and, and sometimes you need to encourage yourself. That may be a new thought to you this morning, but I want you to think about that. Sometimes you need to be the person that encourages yourself. It's possible that if you're waiting for someone else to encourage you, it may not happen. But God the Holy Spirit will be very, very faithful to you in this area. You might say, well, Pastor, why in the world would I need to encourage myself? Well, let me tell you why. Let's work it out together. You see, the Bible tells us that Satan is a liar. He was from the very beginning. He lied to Adam and Eve, and he's lied to every man, woman, boy and girl since then, including Jesus himself. The devil will tell you lies about yourself. Sometimes you'll need to encourage yourself. Not only that, he's referred to as the accuser of the brothers and sisters. The accuser of the brothers and sisters. And so he will make accusations into your life. Let me tell you why he wants to do that. He wants to do that to silence you. He wants to do that so that you won't talk about your faith in Christ. He wants to silence you so that you won't be that encouragement mouthpiece to someone that really needs it. He will remind you sometimes, too, of things in your past. Anyone got stuff in your past you're not proud of? Anybody? Five of us. All right. Well, that's good. That's good. All right. The rest of you folks, <clears throat> talk to me afterwards and tell me how you did it. Um, no, the truth of us, all of us, each and every one of us have stuff in the past. And so Satan will bring up those things in your past that, listen to it, that God has forgiven you of. But he'll try to bring those things up so that he can silence you. When Satan starts talking about your past, I would encourage you to talk to him about his future. Because it's going to be really hot where he's going. Now, a second reason you might need to encourage yourself is because of negative things that people have said to you. Once in a while, someone will tell me something that someone has said, and it's in my mind I'm going, what? Why? Why would a person say something like that? People have said things like that to me. Sometimes they're not true. 
Sometimes it's, it's gossip that they've heard about me or something. But we all, each and every one of us, if you're breathing, each and every one of us have had someone say something negative to us. And if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we begin to believe those things. We begin to believe them. Yeah, the truth of the matter is we, we all need to speak encouragement into our own lives. I, I, would, I would just have you remember that the truth of the matter is many times hurt people hurt people. And so people, people who themselves have been hurt many times will lash out at others. So that may be what you're getting from them. Or maybe they just have a bad back. Maybe it's hurting that day. And so they say things to others they really shouldn't say. A third reason you may need to encourage yourself is because of what John Maxwell refers to as stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. It's those moments that you're less than proud of who you are. It's those moments that you speak all kinds of self-defeating things about yourself. Sometimes you'll say, you know what, I'm not even going to try because I know I can't do it. There's no way I can do it. I, I, there's, I'm not even going to attempt it. It's ridiculous. That stinking thinking stuff, that, that negativity that you're sowing into your own life. And there's something powerful, by the way, in the words that we speak. And when we speak them, When we speak them, many times, if we're not careful, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, we all need to speak encouragement into our own self. Sometimes you need to do it with scripture. You need to remind yourself of some of these truths this morning. I, I truly believe that God wants some folks to hear this this morning. He really wants it to go into your head. Not just in through your ear and out the other one. But he really wants to speak into your heart. So you may need to remind yourself, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. You, may, you may need to remind yourself that he will never leave you nor forsake you he will strengthen you and help you that if he is for you what does it matter who's against you he will never he will never allow you to be tempted or tested above that which you were able to bear but will with the temptation provide a way of escape that you can endure it he will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He is your refuge and your strong tower. He's the place that you can run to when life really, really has you harried. He is that rock 
that you can cling to. And all things do work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Now, not everything in and of itself is totally good, but God is able to, even able to take the challenging moments of life and help to work them into our lives for our own good. His grace is sufficient for you. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Amen. We need to hear this, folks. We really do. We need to apply God's word into our lives. Not only do we need to encourage ourselves, we need to encourage those around us as well. I like what Dr. Tony Evans wrote. He said, many churches are in need of what every football team has, cheerleaders. The job of a cheerleader is to tell everybody, we're going to make it. No matter how bad things look on the scoreboard, there is still hope. Cheerleaders cheer to the very end of the game. And they're going to act like the team is winning by a big score, even when there may be no way possible there can be a victory. But their job is to to cheer. To cheer. And then he adds this. He says, when folks come in today's church with broken lives and all kinds of challenges, they need to run into some cheerleaders. Folks that are willing to cheer them on and tell them it's going to be okay. You're going to make it. God will come through. Hang in there. Hold on. Yes, I think that's true. I, I like what Chuck Swindoll had to say also about this whole thing of encouragement. He said, he said it very plainly when he said, you know, I think many Christians are literally dying on the vine because of lack of encouragement from other believers. That makes sense to you? Many Christians are literally dying on the vine because of a lack of encouragement from other believers. And then Luke adds the words that we find there in verse 24. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Now, don't quickly pass by that descriptor of of who Luke says that, that Barnabas is. I love the way that, I've always loved the way that that Barnabas is described in this passage. What better thing could be said about someone, someone at the end of their life, or or someone that's that's really attempting to live their life for for Christ? I've officiated a lot of funerals, and I try to be very honest at funerals. I I try not to say things that aren't true. I I point out positive things that the person has done or, or been involved in, that sort of a thing. I did hear about a pastor that was having a service for a guy with a less than stellar reputation. And uh, the pastor kept saying what an incredible man he was. And he kept talking about what a, what a faithful husband he had been and what a wonderful father he had been. And finally, the widow said to her 10-year-old son, would, would you please go up there and look in the Catholic church your daddy's talking about? Adam Hamilton said about this verse, he said, there's a focus for an entire year's worth of prayer here. Oh, Lord, make me like Barnabas, generous, an encourager, a good person. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and with the gift of faith. I want you to notice, fourthly this morning, a Barnabas offered second chances. 
Barnabas offered second chances. Acts chapter 15 talks about that. It says, after some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul dis disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. So Barnabas' example of not giving up on Mark should encourage each of us to look at people through the eyes of hope. Look at people through the eyes of hope. Not totally where they are right now, but where they can be by God's grace, by God's help. Did you know God's not done with you yet? Tell the person beside you real quick, God's not done with me yet. Go tell him, God's not done with me yet. Now respond back to them, I was hoping that was the case. Go ahead, no. No, the, the truth of the matter is, we, we look at other people many times not as they currently are, but what they can be what through God's grace they can become. Hope is the key for the ministry of encouragement. If it, it, it's not a blind hope, but rather it's a hope that comes from the possibility of God's grace. You know, if it had not been for Barnabas, Saul might have spent the rest of his life making tents. And your New Testament would be half the size it is. Because Barnabas really encouraged Saul. And it made a huge difference. So what do you do with today's sermon? Well, hopefully you just don't let it go in one ear and out the other. Hopefully, hopefully you take it to heart. You never know what one text or one word of encouragement is going to mean to somebody. You have no clue. So mom and dad... I know your kids get on your nerves. Carlos' grandmother used to say, you're getting on my last nerve. I think I know what she meant by that, but it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Watch, watch for opportunities to encourage your kids, the children that God has given you, the grandchildren that God has given you. Look for opportunities to do that. Speak that word. Everyone, watch for the opportunity to encourage those folks that God puts in your path. You have people you work with. You have people that you associate with. You have neighbors of yours. You have people that you come and worship with on Sundays. Watch for opportunities to encourage those individuals. Encourage a parent with a young child as you're waiting in line. Encourage that aging parent or grandparent. Thank them for their faithfulness. So, last night I received a text from Pastor Kevin. He, uh, he just was kind of reporting back a little bit. It was interesting. He said he was finding all kinds of opportunities while he was in Missouri to talk about the Lord and to encourage people. 
He said he was, he was in line, and a guy, you see the before him or behind him, as they were waiting in line, the guy had some beer and some other things. And the, the man told Pastor Kevin, he said, yeah, he said, I've, I've, been, I've been going to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, but he said, I've kind of fallen off the wagon a bit. And so as they talked, Pastor Kevin said this. He said, you know, he, he found out that the gentleman was actually waiting to go back home. His ex-wife was with the kids, and she was having some real issues herself. So he was waiting, and so he was going to spend some time, I guess, drinking before he went back home. So Pastor Kevin said, why don't you, why don't you put the beer back and get the rest of the stuff you're going to get? And so he said, the gentleman did, and thanked him for it. And there was someone else that he encountered that had a friend that was very sick. And so he prayed with them. Someone else approached him and said that, uh, a friend or a relative of, of theirs was dealing with suicidal thoughts. And so they prayed together. God may use you in all kinds of different ways for his kingdom. He wants to use your voice. He wants to use the text. You can literally make a difference. Let's pray together. So, Father, thank you for your word today. Thank, for the, thank you for the way that you use it to speak into our lives. For the encouragement that we get as we look into your word. Help us, Father, to be quick to take those opportunities that are afforded us to say that word to send that text, to make that call, to encourage that one that needs it today. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. amen.